Keep Rain Man Digital on the air through 2020 by pledging to our Patreon page. Your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Hello, my children. Fuck you, Chuck. <laughs> Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley, and with me today is Ryan Denton. Hey. And Michael Flores. Hello. They're a little tired. You know, they had, they busted such a load last show that, you know. There was a lot of. They need some Gatorade and a cigarette. There was 21 comes. Oh, I forgot about that. That's That's 40. No, 42, right? Because the two of you. Well, right, but 21 divided by two. Oh, I thought it was twenty-one each. No, no, no. Technically, there's no. only seven in the twenty-one. I, right. I don't, I don't understand why that is, but it's called twenty-one. But there's only seven. Because seven people fire three times each. Uh, math. Yeah, yeah, math. Okay. It is important, kids. You can't just jizz your way through life all the time. Are you sure? No. That's how I've gotten where I'm at so far. <laughs> That's how I got on the network, right, Mike? By what? By jizzing his way oh, through yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say it wouldn't work out, oh, but. Oh. Anyway, that way you have a lucky just stain on your shirt. Yeah, someone got a job that yeah. way. I got it. Listen from, to the pre-show. Or listen to the pre-show. <laughs> so we're talking about season fifteen, episode four, Atomic Monsters. Now, this episode, I gotta say, I was a fan of. Uh, right out the gate, swinging, I thought it was a great introduction. Having Jensen back as the director after what? Three, four years? Something like that, yeah. Something to that effect. It had been a long time. He did a great fucking job with it. We see his familiarity with the show. We see his rapport with the the actors. We see how much he lives and breathes supernatural. And it only makes sense. He's been doing it for 15 years. It's very apparent. Kind of his fucking life, you know. But so much of it, too. Like, I felt like I had old homages to Kim Manners and some of the other directing greats that we've had throughout the years and people that he, we know that he learned from when he was doing it himself from his first directorial debut. And I do think we've talked about this a little bit in passing that after supernatural, he could maybe move into more of a director behind the scenes role in addition to his on-screen persona. And I think this is a great example of that, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. My drool and is is yeah, starting to pool yeah. on the desk. Maybe he can direct episodes of Walker Texas Ranger for Jared. Oh man, maybe, that'd be so cool. Maybe they'd need to keep it a family thing in the house, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 
And then this is the part where you get your ass kicked. Good luck. It's the only party directs. It's just is, watching Jared get beat up. This is the part where I cast Chuck Norris, but we couldn't get him. This is the part where you get arrested. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh. Hey, by the way, did you guys hear that when they came back yeah, to yeah. The, that he actually put. He brought him on set. Yeah, he, in handcuffs. Jensen brought Jared on set with him. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's that's like, I like that they did that. They made a joke about it for a lot of reasons or a joke of it for a lot of yeah. reasons. Number yeah. one, it probably. Smart. Yeah, it probably calms the set because there's probably a lot of people whispering. Oh God, what do we oh my do? God, no. yeah. What if he hits someone? Am I going to get Walker Texas Rangered? <laughs> if he's going to hit someone, um, where's, is this just where's, a method thing? Where's Dab at? Yeah, punch him right in the temple. Wait, 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 wait. We can get him to punch somebody. I have yeah, a list. Smack him right in the face with a subway. Yeah, <laughs> foot long. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did like that. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Make sure it's a veggie combo so he can lose some weight. Oh God, stop. <laughs> stop why all right i won't okay then anyway davy perez also did a great job with this episode the script was well crafted the pacing was excellent it brought suspense it brought some twists it brought brought us a sense of dread that i honestly haven't had i'd I'd say most of this season if at all this season until maybe the couple moments last episode yeah when you take that flashback combined with you know chuck's whole diabolical writing mm-hmm. it does it brings a bit of dread and you're like oh well I mean, okay how, how can it not with how it starts out yeah. sam having nightmare visions of what we very easily could be where we're going this season is this the actual future we're seeing is this a possible reality is I just, this i just know that like for me i'm watching this you know this flashback or this vision or whatever and Dean says demon blood. So I'm thinking, you know, is hot Ruby showing up? Uh, like, you know, like, oh, fuck, dude. I might get to see that again. Like, that's all I really cared about. I mean, it was neat, but hot Ruby could show up. But they did bring in uh, Castile's competition. They brought in uh, Benny. Benny. Benny, yeah. That was a surprise. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is that. That's the only thing that has me wondering. Maybe this isn't the future. Maybe this is an alternate script, an alternate take different draft like another reality maybe Chuck, perhaps. oh oh yeah because benny's well and truly gone so how do you explain that if it's our universe you can't yeah but if it's a different draft a different script you never know dude maybe that was a version that chuck maybe there's something with chuck's powers are bleeding through and sam has like an insight to what he's scripting out or his his drafts i'm gonna look up and see what benny's been doing yeah i'm willing to bet the there's i want to say that Sam's visions are not caused by Chuck. And we'll get into that. I think they're because of Chuck, but not caused by Chuck. I'm willing to bet that uh, Sam and Dean are going to be put into a category of what are they? Hmm. I mean, look at that line. I can't see them. I can't see them anymore. And that could have been a a reason that could have been a writer's block thing. Hmm. You know, I just, I can't, I can't write any longer. I can't write. It could have been as simple as, as that, but he touched his shoulder and said, I can't see something them. like that. And he scratches right there. Yeah. So I, I, and it also, why is he afraid? We still haven't got, they haven't made that clear. Why is he afraid? Other than the fact that he's injured a bit, we still don't know why he was able to get injured from his bullet. So all I know is that I love how this entire web is starting to be formed. Starting to form. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, I mean, Chuck, whether or not he can see them, we know that he's 
finally kind of settling into this current villain role that they've plain, they've painted for him. We still have a lot of questions as to whether or not that'll well and truly be the case, or if it's going to be some sort of doppelganger mistaken identity, or is this going to be some, no, you don't understand. It's all this other stuff. I think there's a fair amount of us that are still trying to give Chuck the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time in this episode, it seems pretty solidly not the case. He looks his so spiteful. dick has shown. Yeah, spiteful and vindictive. Absolutely. He, he's a shithead. Well, I mean, the return of Becky the Rapist was... Uh, oh, <laughs> Becky the- uh, You know, come on, it's true. A little bit. It is, it is kind of true. By a little bit, I mean definitively. But she's moved on with her life. She's got family, Well, here's kids. the thing. Well, she, all rapists want to move on. Yeah, she <laughs> moved on. She, she didn't have to file for sex offenders, so... Here's the thing. <laughs> I did not care for Becky as a character due to her... Only time raping? in season seven, yes. <laughs> Due to her but raping? I, but I actually thought they did a very good job with the character this time around. I agree. But, and having her be the the one-to-one relationship with Chuck as the author and fan and the story that was telling and how, what he did to her family seems pretty solid as to where he's going down this route. So that was another surprising moment from this episode as well as the music jensen's song at the end i actually dug very that song quite a very bit. fitting it reminded me of old supernatural where the music isn't just we threw in you know de facto track number six and you know what like yeah. mike and i it was we, we found a song that fit the moment we started kind of making film fun. composer school 101 yep. oh shit we yeah. started making fun of it and then we listened to the track last <laughs> and we were like oh this is actually pretty good and i think his style actually yeah. fit that style. Like Had the a music classic style. rock vibe. Yeah, it, it fits Supernatural, and I think that's pretty cool. That song was well-placed. He put that in the, the correct spot. Yeah. Well, Jensen's all like, I'm tired of us not playing the right music, so I'm just going to fucking make a song. Dude, fuck it. We'll do it live. I, I, you know what? You don't want to. <laughs> I'll fucking do it myself. I'll direct it myself. I'll put the music in myself. I'll act. But you're telling me, Dab, that the reason why we can't use classic rock as much is because it's too expensive, right? It's well, just too I'll much just money. It doesn't fit into song. the budget. There's a thousand, thousand songs I, I that still fit I will go ahead and write something. No, you can't. If it doesn't, if you can't find it in a simple Google search, Dab ain't doing it. <laughs> it wasn't on track two of Led Zeppelin. He probably doesn't even know classic rock. He's probably like classic rock, classic rock. It, it, can we get Alanis Morissette? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's good though. But it just doesn't fit supernatural. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Just like, well, it wasn't in Google's top twenty list, yeah. so uh, can't use top it. Classic rock. So, so little, Judith, who the fuck uh, is Judas P? Little Pump. Uh, I don't know if that's rock and roll, but it sounds good. Ozzy Alba. That like guy, that sounds guy like got a, put on the map by Postman. Sounds like a bitch. Yeah, I I think between Davey Perez's script and Jensen's I love directing Davey. choices. Oh, yeah. Isn't this like, this is the second time in a row he's wowed us with Mint Condition at the top of last season. Mint Condition last season. Um... Because there was Don't Go Into the Woods, I thought it was him. I might be wrong. Yeah, it was. And that was a pretty good a It was, pretty a, it was good a episode. of the week, but it wasn't a bad episode. No, it wasn't as good as Mint Condition, but Correct. it wasn't it But wasn't this is bad. the second year that he's had one where, like, well, I think it's every year he's had one where, like, what the fuck? This was great. Yeah. So all of it came together. And I mean, I, he started in American Nightmare. I believe that was his first. American Nightmare was his first episode. And that was awesome. The best part is he looks like a normal human being. That's the best part. What are you talking about? I was looking up David Perez. Opposed dude. to who? Dab. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> I feel like that's who we compare I th- everybody to. I thought to. you meant because all the other writers look normal. They look fine. Yeah, no, he he looks, he yeah. looks like a normal guy. Yeah, he looks cool. Bobo looks like Thomas might dig him oh. because he's a talent sexual, right? I, yeah, that's true. Yeah? Yeah. Really? He might give a, give it up he might, for he Bobo. Might. Like, come just, here, Bobo. Let me suck on that dick. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What voice was that? I don't know. And now Robert that Barron's was... is listening. His dick shriveled. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, fuck. <laughs> he was, he was getting into it for a second. Sorry, He's like, Robert. oh, shit, they're talking to me. Let me. Sorry, Robert. He's like, go ahead. Talk to me, Thomas. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Thomas. Talk to Robert Barron's right now. Go ahead. Tell no, Robert you, Barron's You've ruined the moment. No, I didn't. Keep you ruined the moment. Go, right now. Fucking weirdo. Don't be pussy. Anyway. Don't be pussy. <laughs> this is your moment to have phone this sex. Is, yeah, come on. <laughs> With Robert Barron's. He's listening. He's listening right now. We've done that too many times on this network. <laughs> Wow, dude. <laughs> we have. Way to ruin him. Way to ruin it, Thomas. I think yours that ruined been, the moment. That could have been a good bit, and you fucked it up. Yeah, I fucked it up. Anyway, it was <laughs> way, nice way to, to not see. give in, give to the network. Yeah. <laughs> this network has done so much for you, I'm Thomas. I'm getting a real like, hashtag not, Me Too vibe here. Not, you want a job here. <laughs> you're not playing You're going to fucking do the phone Don't sex. you fuck this up, you better, Thomas. You better automatically suck his dick. You better suck his fucking dick right now. Fuck Way to fuck this up for us, I like Thomas. how that was half, like, Japanese porn, half eating spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wrong with Ryan? This is this episode tonight, guys. I'm going to let everyone, every listener know. This started out I just, weird tonight. I just love it's not that. gotten better. I just love how on cue Ryan was. I was like, you ought to be sucking his dick. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Thomas isn't, Thomas isn't going to play along, so I have to fill in for him, okay? It's I like, think that was a Pavlovian thing Jesus, more than anything man. else. Come on. Mike, Mike yells, suck a dick. Ryan's you've first been, there. You've been doing this show how long? Come on, man. The Pavlovian. Isn't that like a virus? What did you say? I didn't Pavlovian? say Pavlovian? Oh, I think you said like, is it? Pavlov's I, dog. Oh, yeah. I know. I know that. I thought yeah. you said the, what's the, uh, that virus? Pilothian? Papilloma yeah, virus? Yeah, that's Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and everyone stopped listening. And Perfect. scene. They're like, why the fuck do we listen to this podcast? And Barry anyway. has completely lost his he penis. Turned off. He's, He's like, like oh, God. He's like, well. Like, you know that guy at the end of Raiders of the Last Ark when he looks at the angels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the death? His face oh, melted. Right his face melted. <laughs> He's Googling Thomas Cowley right now to see what he looks like. He's like, I don't know if this guy's. It's a live stream. He's not watching. You don't know. He's that. not a Patreon if player. If he's listening, how do you not know? I'm going to subscribe to these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that'd be fucking cool. My dream come true would be like, because I get notifications when I get new subscribers, yeah. but Eric Kripke has subscribed to your Patreon feed. <laughs> oh, you'd just die right I'm then. Like, what? Your life is peaked. His dick, would, his dick would explode off his yeah. body, dude. Like a firecracker. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways. On to other news before we get into the real discussion for the episode. We know two new things about Supernatural's schedule. The series finale is set to air in May. And as of March, it is is going to be moving to Monday. I hate this. Which is a little odd. And not only because... Why bother changing it? Yeah, Brian hates it because it's going to be... It's going to fuck my whole schedule up. Yeah. Well, we, I don't even know where to record. Like when, yeah. because we have all those other shows that we have to record. I have, yeah. and we can't move them because then we release those shows after the next episode. It airs. sucks. 
This sucks. So we have no idea how we're going to throw this into the mix for recording. Unless we bump Rain Man. That show and we sucks. Move we this show. This. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's the only other thing. We move Rain Man <laughs> to Mondays and Supernatural to Tuesdays. I, just, I think the thing It's for only me, for like eight weeks though, right? Uh, pretty much. So do you have the, yeah, the article Yeah, I got here? the article. Yeah, it's been, like, yeah I think it's, it's as of March so, or something. It says Supernatural will go through one final move before it's all over. On Friday, the CW announced that the beloved drama will move to Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern time for its final run of episodes, beginning on March 16th and leading into season two, Return of Roswell, which no one watches anyways. 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. uh, Furthermore, the network revealed that Supernatural will air its series finale on Monday, May 18th. So this is like, for us, this sucks because we have our schedule built. Guys, like we have a schedule built the entire week. And now we're going to have to shuffle shit around. And it's just, I don't know how we're going to do it, to be completely honest. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm at a loss. What, dude, what if, hey, what if we just, uh, oh, God, that wouldn't work. That we'll, what if we horrible. just quit? <laughs> no, no, I was thinking like we could literally watch the episodes, the last six or whatever are airing at the same time we record the show, like do mystery science right here. Oh, wow. Well, uh, that would be a be long disaster. It gives us no time to process. I'm just either. saying that that would be the only option besides moving shit around. And it gives I, our exact, uh, you yeah. know, reactions to the final Every episodes. Night's live kind of thing. Honestly, I think we're either going to have to sideline Rain Man or, or, or bump it. I think that's the only solution. Yeah. We can't bump the other shows because they have to be out have at a certain time. TV shows. God, to this make is up. so poopy, dude. Yeah. Well, the weird thing has, have they done it by Eastern time? Previously, usually you hear it as Pacific time because I'm thinking, depending on the time of the year, that's either six or five p.m. Roswell, Roswell well, must not, be sucking. They'll adjust it for the rest of us. It won't be at it won't be at five for us. They'll adjust it. There's a delay. Yeah. All right. Fuck, man. That's still odd. It, it seems unnecessary with the end of the show when you only have a few little, a, a handful of episodes left. And it'd be one thing if they were pumping out like a bunch of new shows at the same time, yeah. so they had to make room for their bigger time slots well just why move but it's it now? 15 years like let it just finish where it's at yeah. why deliberately hurt because there's no way you're gonna it, get okay there's no way you get all the ratings to transfer over the first couple of weeks everybody figures it out oh yeah it's totally gonna be mondays i've remembered perfectly yeah. so why hurt your ratings at the end there it's a weird that's such a weird idea yeah but it i mean this does this i mean it doesn't really surprise me it's cw yeah, no, it, it just they're clearing the way for you know their more important shows like more superhero, pretty shows. little liars, yeah, <laughs> and Riverdale and, season. Who fucking and, cares? <laughs> I just another one. I just can't wait that you know, like you guys do realize when this show's over that we don't have to endure the CW app anymore. Like that's just I want you guys to yeah remember that that's the best part about this or the hmm. CW commercials. Oh, Nancy God. Drew, CW Seed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't. Second, first of all, CW seed. I can't think about that without having my pervert brain going. Oh, right. oh, yeah, yeah, same, yeah. Mm-hmm. same. God damn yep. it! That same shirt. Yep. Well, the stains. Ugh. All right. <laughs> so with that, lucky shit. <laughs> I get it from Kipke. Then <laughs> I walked in at Kiki. I walked in at Kipke, and, 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 and I caught it from him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is lucky." Oh, oh God. All right. Let's before we derail anymore, let's get right into the episodes. Ryan, can you give us a synopsis? Please? Sure. Uh, Sam and Dean investigate the mysterious death of a girl and the disappe- disappearance of another. Thanks. Synopsis. That's the synopsis. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Once That's upon a time, up. there was an episode. The end. <laughs> it's like, 
Directed by Jensen Ackles. Remember when synopsises were supposed to like entice people to want to watch this of the episode? If I read that, I'd be like, ah, bullshit episode. Yep, that's exactly. And you would have missed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Or was that deliberate so that you wouldn't know how much was going to be packed into this episode? Yeah, Dab's not that smart. Yeah, that just seems bad. I, whoever's writing these is just lazy at this point. Like, no there's another fucking episode this week. What do you want? It's the final season. I think we should start a new game. Smart or is Dab just lazy? Smarter lazy. Smarter lazy. Uh, this one. That should lazy. be. A, that, you know what? Smart or sloth? I think that's gonna be a game. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a Patreon game. We're gonna play it. Smart or sloth? We'll take all the bad decisions that we don't like during uh-huh. Dab's run. That's a lot. It'll be smart or sloth. We'll be like, okay, is this a good decision? Ultimately, did it pay off? Or, or was he just lazy? <laughs> God, I hope. Smart I... or sloth? That's... Now bears his heart again. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, talk to him right now. Okay. Anyway, let's. That'll do. That'll do. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first thing I think that we need to talk about is the the biggest turnaround to me. And again, I listened to your guys' discussion of episode three. The writing by Barons was very well done. However, we were all on the same page that there was some clingers from previous elements, mm-hmm. whether that was previous two episodes or Dab's showrunning ability as a whole. And I, honestly, we should probably throw in Dab and Singer at this point and not just throw all the blame to one person. Right. But there were some clingers. But this episode, the writing just worked to me. It was very, very well done. And it might be Davy Perez's best work to date at this point. From the opening sequence, which had me so fucking excited, and I watched that three or four times, just backed it up and started over again because I was so fucking into that. But from that very moment until the final credits, we knew something relevant was going on. We knew something important was happening. Yes, it was a monster of the week episode in many respects, but it was also very heavy with building the new myth arc. One of the big discussion points of last episode was talking about how there hadn't really been, where's the myth arc going? What are we doing? What's our story? What is the story? What are we doing for the rest of the final season? And with the ghost situation solved, it seemed like we had nowhere to go, but in one fell swoop, we've reset where our pieces are going to be given us new intrigue, given us new ideas as to what is possible for this season. And while it was a Monster of the Week template, it gave us a lot of the events. It it gave a lot of foreshadowing to the events that could happen with Sam and Dean. And honestly, to me, that's true supernatural form. Yes, there is Monster of the Week, but they were, when they were at their best, they represented or, or touched on something that was affecting the brothers. It wasn't just the vampires. It wasn't just the werewolf or what have you even those episodes that seemed pretty surface level monster of the week there was always something more to them and with the way this episode opened up with sam's dream or vision we're not certain as to which one it is because remember he did have psychic dreams in season one and two Uh, his dreams became reality and this is something that dab has been playing with for a while didn't he bring this up wasn't this his season where they reminded us of the psychic children yeah american nightmare episode four of his first season that was davy perez davy perez holy shit yeah maybe it's coming full circle and this is where that game smarter sloth will show up (laughs) oh my god it's dude it makes itself 
But that's Can't the thing. Can't make this shit up, dude. We need get a theme song made for smart or sly. You play like uh, the Jeopardy song, but like real slow. And then, <laughs> and then the and then the clip, if you do video, is the dude at the DMV from fucking Zootopia. It's just a sloth guy moving super slow. I like it. Yeah. Now, with the opening sequence, Sam's vision. First of all, how many people think it is a possibility, and how many people thought uh, it might be so. The f- uh, just a future possible. Like, like, is it prophetic or is it a warning? I think watching. So watching it, I had I had two different notions. Obviously, how I felt when I first saw it, and how I felt after the episode because of what happens in the episode. I the first time I saw it, I thought, okay, this is big time foreshadowing because we've seen Sam on Demon's Blood before. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. So I thought, okay, he could possibly go down this route, and then. As you get to the end of the episode and you see Chuck writing and he has this diabolical smile on his face like he wrote the most, especially with Becky saying, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. I thought, shit, this could be something that happens in the end. And I think they did that for two reasons. One, for huge foreshadowing. And again, like you said, Thomas, earlier, kind of giving us an idea of where the story is going for the for the second half of the or I guess second half of the season, but I think in my head canon, I thought this might be one of the alternate endings of where we're going with the show. Mm-hmm. Also, just book ending it. The fact that they book ended that teaser with how the episode ended with Chuck right writing his his ending, mm-hmm. all doom and gloom and sinister like. That just was a great way to frame that episode or book in the episode. And then it gave us all that sense of dread. Yeah. It's exactly what which Becky was saying, which we're going to get into that in a minute. But it's exactly what she was saying when she was giving him script notes. Mm-hmm. It's like, where's this? Where's that? We the need stakes, we the def- jeopardy. Yeah. And it's and that's something that honestly, Becky sounded like us the last three weeks. Where's the stakes? Where's this building? They're in the refrigerator, what's, bitch. What are we going towards? <laughs> and it finally felt like we did get there with this episode. And, and I, I'm so torn because I, I know we make fun of Dab a lot, but do we? <laughs> we do. I mean, we really do. But it's it's on fun and it's mostly for content. But the thing that really confuses the shit out of me is this week we got so much meta and not like I'm, I'm really weird about meta. Sometimes it has to, it has to make sense if you're going to do it. Like it has to like it has to be good. Mm-hmm. And this week, this episode had a lot of really good meta. And I just, I don't know if, like Mike said in the pre-show, is Dab smart enough to to do this and make fun of himself and say the shit that we've been saying on this show and then go about it where he literally is throwing himself under the bus with his characters and saying, you know, I'm an idiot, and but here's what we're doing. And I just, I have a hard time. I'm I'm like double-edged sorting it here because like, on one hand, he looks like the smartest motherfucker on the planet. And then on the other hand, he looks like, you know, an idiot. Okay. And I just don't know. It's it's almost scary. Okay. It's almost scary. Ryan, I agree. And with all seriousness, no jokes. I feel like all writers hate their work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I... Th- Willing to bet that Dab isn't a moron, okay? The guy is well aware of the mistakes he's made. Right. I, I feel like he knows fully how hard it is now to, to be, be a showrunner. Show right. And he might even realize, shit, I don't think I was aware of how hard it is to be not just a writer, but a manager of a group of writers. 
And now in retrospect, he can probably laugh at himself. No different than Carver did when he said, you know, made fun of himself about the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, All like right, this is right. the stupidest thing you've ever done. You know, Kripke has done it numerous times. Every week. So I think he's smart enough. He's not an idiot. I mean, the guy can't. We make a lot of jokes. The guy can't be in that writing room for over 10 years. For if no he was a complete moron. Yeah. And, and I, I, what I, was thinking. I think what happened was he just was quite simple. He was not up to the task to be the showrunner. And he's probably aware of that at this point. And now he is trying to fix and at the same time poke a little fun. Because when you are that self-deprecating type of person, you feel better a little bit calling yourself out. Yeah. Well, you. I think it's a, it's another way too, and this is how I used to because I still use self-deprecating humor a lot. Is I would make that's what the, the entire network is. If anyone uh, right, listens I, to our I network, know. that's what I, we all do. I make the joke about myself, so I cut it out, so nobody else can use it against me. And it's. I think he's doing that. With I do this live episode. in a trailer with my mom. Right. He's pulling. He's showed he's be, you. He's be rabbiting like yeah. that, and that, that sounds dumb to say it, but that's what he's doing. He's cutting out the jokes. And he's nipping them in the butt before anyone else can say them about him. And I think it's pretty fucking genius. I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, and yes, if you're listening, I am giving Dab some big time credit right now. If he's willing to admit his mistakes, which is obviously what this episode is saying. I mean, how can you take it any other way? How can you interpret Becky's and Chuck's conversation any other way? That's the fans. Becky's always represented the fans. Always. Chuck has always represented the writers. Yeah, that conversation wasn't by mistake. No, I was on purpose. And we like like to make jokes like during the pre-show that they're all writing and dab doesn't realize what they're doing. He's well aware he's in on it. And now they're I think it was a way to kind of pacify or satisfy or at least calm the waters. Like, listen, guys, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're thinking. Be patient. This will will be a good season. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay. Because of how meta this was and how accurate it was as far as what Becky and Chuck were saying, does that give you hope going into the later half of this season that they have a concise plan? They have an idea of what they're going to do and how they're going to end the show. And I'm going to be honest, like answering my own question, I, I think it actually does. It does gives me, give me a little hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't know about if, what you guys think, but if you're aware of your mistakes, that's Acknowledging there's a problem is the first step. Right. Yeah. Right there is a positive. If if you can acknowledge the mistakes and then you address them. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, Ryan. I feel a little better moving into the later second half of the season. I feel like, okay, well, we got that out of the way and I can be patient and see what they have planned because saying, you know, kind of echoing what you said, Thomas, at the top of the show, this episode was excellent. It was. I mean, Davey Perez did an amazing job with the script and not just with the meta stuff, but even with the, the foreshadowing and, and using, um, you know, the monster of the week template to help us get into the mindset of Sam and Dean as well. And not the usual way, which is something I was talking about in the last episode, Ryan, I don't want another scene where yeah. at the very last, you know, two or three minutes, we have a scene where Sam and Dean talk. And that's yep. something that we all love, but also we need more than that at this point. We need more substance. And yeah. the entire episode, I mean, it wasn't a Monster of the Week episode. It wasn't a filler episode. This was a myth arc episode, and they used the Monster of the Week template 
to transport that idea, mm-hmm. that story. And, and we've, we've said it multiple times on the network, even going, you know, starting all the way back, is that the best air quotes Monster of the Week episodes were the ones that were intertwined. And Thomas, you even said this earlier, were intertwined with the underlying or overlying arching whatever's going on in, in the, the myth arc. Mm-hmm. And I think those were the best ones. Yes, they, they, it showed us exactly what was going on with Sam and Dean from another point of view. From another uh, thing that's going on in the episode. A different perspective. Yeah, and I think that's what they did here. They used the air quotes monster of the week template, but they added so much more to it and told us exactly what's going to go going forward with the story. And I, I think that's what made this episode really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it, it came out, it came out of the gate swinging. I mean, the, the fact that, so that teaser alone in the first two minutes let's talk about that for a second because that set the tone for everything else moving forward first of all love the beard <laughs> yeah that actually yeah i, I wanted would. to see more of that not gonna lie is his like nathan drake outfit that he's got going this, yeah there's like plate carrier and he's got his guns and everything it's yeah. all tactical i loved that and i i will admit i watched that scene a couple of times i went all the way back and rewatched it because i loved the choreography to that as well and I want to touch on that a little bit later, but bravo to the team because there's a few things that we had complained about just a few episodes ago that this episode seemed to turn everything around in some way, whether it was the weak choreography or what's this fight or why are we running down the street in daylight into a well-timed, thought-out action sequence. But setting the tone of Sam's visions that he will become if not Chuck as the ultimate villain, Sam might be the ultimate threat because Chuck's somebody that Dean and Sam would easily do away with. If there was a way to contain or kill him, they would have little to no issue mm-hmm. morally doing it, making it less, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Oh, uh, shit. It, it's, it's less, there's less conflict. It's less, it's less interesting. Right. You know, and if Sam, though, once again, like at the end of season five, mirroring Kripke's original story, becomes the ultimate compelling, that's the word, Jesus Christ, becomes the villain that Dean really has to face. The brothers mm-hmm. lose everyone throughout the season and then each other. Yeah. That is a far more compelling narrative. That is a far darker narrative. And, and it makes more sense, don't you think? Because it does. Because first off, Chuck is the kind of guy that hides. Uh, He's not going to confront Sam and Dean. Why would he put himself deliberately up against them? Yeah, especially now after what they have set up with him being injured and he's running scared. So to to have him write the story and put them in a situation that hits them on opposite sides, that's, that's how you write the season. And that is smart. And that's a great fucking idea. Yeah. And whoever that was, whether it was Davy Perez or or Andrew Dabb or just the entire team, that's a good idea that we should see brought to life. Now, the implications of Sam being the villain, first, I thought it might have been a Lucifer thing. I, I did think he found a way to come back and he's got his true vessel. It's hard. Again. It's hard not. To Why is bad guy Sam always so good? Oh, dude, it's because we don't see it because Sam is such a good person. He doesn't even want to eat bacon. <laughs> There's something I love when he plays bad. Yeah, he's good at he it. He has this arrogance that even... The smugness about him. Yes. 
I love it. I'm so much fucking better than you. And you're like, God damn it. You're right. And it makes me mad. <laughs> like it's, it's fun to watch. I think it's be, he has fun with it. It's so Jensen has had the chance to play different versions like demon Dean. And he always gets to be a little bit more. And then the hot Dean funny and then hot, Dean. hot Dean. He gets to get hot, slapped hot, by hot women. Dean. He gets to bang Cass. You know, he's got all these other but, advantages wait, to his character. Whereas Jared as Sam is traditionally, I would say more the, the straight, the straight role, the hey. pussy of the group. He's the Thomas safer. Yes. <laughs> he's safer and more boring. Yeah. That, that's traditional. Yeah, he doesn't like shower sex, nor 69 or, or yeah. bacon. So when he finally does embrace quote, the dark side, I think it's far more interesting for us to watch because we haven't seen it. So what you're saying is, is, is that, that Sam is going to come out as bisexual and that's and wouldn't what, that fulfill everyone's dream? Oh, it oh. makes sense. Makes someone, it's Thomas. Yeah. Make, let's make dreams come true, people. Anyway. And now Barron's is back in it. <laughs> and he's back. But the, the, the Are we shipping Barron's with Thomas this week? I think we are. Apparently. Yeah. I think that should be a thing. <laughs> what would we call that? What would the ship name be? Terrence. Terrence. Commons. Commons. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Commons. Commons. There you go. Or Tumbo. <laughs> Terrible. I like Tumbo. That's it. That's what we're doing. It's Tumbo. Where? How is? Where's the U in that situation? No, no, just go with it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Tumbo. Can't it, make up your own ship name. Okay. Yeah, leave it dude. to the, not, leave it to the fans. Don't go with the worst option, please. Leave it to the fans to do it. <laughs> we're shipping you with Barons, and it's going to be called Tumbo. That's a terrible, terrible name. I don't think I hate so. I both. like it. I, I think it's good. We, anyway, we can say Tobo. Oh, Tobo's good. Tobo might be better. Tobo. Does that work for you, Thomas? Tobo? You, you better with Tobo? I don't care anymore. You guys are going to do what you want. So. Could be Combo. I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> Cali? Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Dab wants a cold cut combo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> AKA three different types of meat. Oh. Anyway. So the question to, to everybody, though, the, or the question that everyone should be asking is, is this vision or dream sequence reality a potential that Chuck has written. Is this the first draft that Becky read on her laptop? Was that what we were seeing? Or is this a fictional what if world? Because we had Benny show up again in that sequence, which is a little odd and, and mostly because he's been definitively dead for quite some time as a vampire, never a hunter, never hanging around with them, never in that capacity that they've shown him in, in this sequence. So is it real or is it fictional? Ryan, what do you think? What is your gut telling you? See, I think, I think this is an alternate reality. I also, because we've seen that there are multiple dimensions, we have seen that in the, in the last year and a half. So Benny could, could be a character on, you know, this, the alternate dimension that is alive still. So, it is, is this apocalypse Benny that we just it's, never it's, saw? It's possible. Like, and then that's the thing. And you, you've opened up a few realities where you could make this an alternate reality. You could make it real. You could, it just, it, we don't know. And I think for me, I looked at this as one of the possible endings that is to come. And I looked at it as an alternate ending of, you know, where we're going to go. I don't know. But I, it's so tough. I man. agree. But, I'm almost hoping that this is not now again, when it comes to writing great way to frame the episode, but I'm hoping that they're not connected. 
I'm hoping this goes into what my theory is, is that Sam and Dean have some type of power over themselves, over their own destiny. And that Chuck is running scared because none of this should have happened. And now he's trying to take control by sitting down and writing a story. And I have a feeling that, oh, I have a feeling that Sam turning dark is his plan. Look how morose he is. We're not free. Dean, I don't like living like this. This is morose Sam. This is season two Sam. Season three Sam when he's willing to take those dark steps for the greater good. And I have a Hmm. feeling that in order to power up, he might try to get himself some demon blood. I Hmm. could see this season so far has been kind of meta. But something desperate has to happen. We can't just have Sam say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Something has to push him in that direction so that we believe it. Dean says, you know, what you did to Jody and what you did to Bobby. And Sam responds, they tried to stop me. So he clearly has a goal, a definitive action he's trying to achieve, which is good. But also Sam has dark. Sam has had goals before. He was convinced that defeating defeating Lilith would be the most important thing. And he drank all that demon blood and was tricked by Ruby and did all that evil shit in season four for the same or a goal. Yeah, that flashback is so confusing because we're obviously dealing with. 2019 mm-hmm. but joe and ellen are alive bobby or they were live up to this point we're assuming right that joe and they, ellen they said yeah, uh, they what talk, i say yeah, yeah joe and ellen they talked about it yeah he says jody oh jody and, and yeah. bobby oh they didn't say joe and ellen no, no jody and bobby why yeah, do they yeah. think joe and ellen because you want you want you joe want to, come to come back, back. <laughs> am i thinking about joe you want dean to bang joe or you're thinking so about they said jody joe. and who and Bobby. Oh, I must have been t- completely zoned out at that moment. Yeah, you wanted Joe. I think you're I was so enraptured with so, like, evil in, Sam. Yeah, I was so engrossed with evil oh, Sam. Oh, he's so evil I'm and like, so hot. Wait, Joe and Ellen? Yeah. Your your brain just went there with another fantasy at okay. the same time. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. Jody right. and Bobby. So he it has. It still a, doesn't explain Benny. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's the thing where I'm like, okay, so. Is this a potential universe? Is this a different draft? I like the idea that you said of. Maybe they can create or control their own reality more than you think. And this season has been meta since the end of season 14. And there is a meta concept of how much after you create something, does art take on a life of its own, especially in something that has a fandom such as supernatural. Well, that where the creation grows and becomes its own thing and takes on life that you never thought would be possible. I'm so glad you said that because that's something I have in my personal notes. Yeah. I think you might've read. So I didn't, I'm wondering if a lot of that is playing a part as well. Is there some type of, I need you to believe in me in order for me to have power. Just like we talked a couple weeks ago about the Tulpa effect, is this is this all the same thing? Because did well, that you was the did case you get with that Hammer of the Gods that Dab himself yes. wrote yep. that other gods lost power as people lost faith in them? So is that is that the ultimate reason why Chuck went to go visit his number one fan? Yeah, he, he, she needed, said. he needed her not, not at first I thought, okay, he needed uh, a muse. But what if it's more than just a muse? Maybe this is... He needs worship. He needs someone to believe in him, that she he even, is good. There's not enough angels anymore. He even anymore. said that. I, yeah. She said that. She's like, you need me to stroke your ego. and Fluff him. Yeah. And, and that's that's what I, what I gathered from it is it is that if people are not worshiping him and, and he loses his power. And I think with Sam and Dean were probably the two people that were his biggest 
worshipers. Yep. And now that they've oh, fallen out, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking. He's lost all his power. And the fact that Sam is the one that shot him probably took away a shit ton of his power. And that's why he's. And he said he messed up. Yep. Maybe revealing himself because he was desperate to kill Jack is what he's talking about. He yep. should not have showed his cards. I, I, I have a feeling that his power level is based on that's on almost people. too good for me to want to believe but but it makes sense and like Basically, i know that's why i'm especially saying since it. it was already stated in canon in the episode that dab wrote in season four that the other gods that's how they were powered and, and again oh. sam and dean were his biggest worshipers and he lost them yeah and how many times has dab gone back to that episode throughout his four seasons well, it was a good episode, so he why, has why continued not go to go back and build upon things that he put in that episode. Mm-hmm. That could be game changing if it all panned out. Well, it would make sense. Why? Well, okay. Not only okay. not only does the Becky situation work from a meta standpoint, but it would also make sense from a narrative standpoint because it, now you have a reason behind why he's scared, why he needs Becky. Yep. I, I mean, it makes sense. Well, but, but at the same time, I'm like, let's let's stop sniffing the markers for just a minute because we've had conversations like this around this time uh, but this ev- previous but the seasons, evidence here is it's, it's there's a lot it's, it's, there's a lot this there's isn't lot. just us riffing this- well and that does come down to becky's reappearance and what a way to bring that character back somebody who i don't think anybody really cared for due to how they had portrayed her character and what she did in season seven, it was it's universally, I think, one of the least favorite episodes of the supernatural time for a wedding out of place. We made fun of comfortable. We made fun of it a lot. Not a big fan favorite. So to bring that character back deliberately, you have to really think that through. Is this a good idea? If so, why? Why is this character back? And then more importantly, we've talked about returning characters isn't a problem. If they serve the narrative a greater purpose, side characters for our protagonists, or they represent something that we're moving towards, or they help the villain undergo some sort of change. It was the problem with season 13 where everyone just showed up and nobody mattered. And now we're seeing a lot of these people show up and deliberately have an effect. So with Becky being such a questionable choice, I was really surprised with what they did with her. I really liked what they did with her too. talk about redeeming a character. Yeah. I was going to say it was the best redemption they could have done. Even with her. before the rape episode, like she was annoying, clingy. Yeah. She was obnoxious. Just, I, it was kind of sad I, too. I, I just, that character in general, I just, again, I never really gave a shit about and they brought her back for the correct reason. And I, and I think, that's why you bring a character back. And yeah, that's how you right we, we that's how you bring a character back. The right yeah. time, the right moment. Otherwise, it feels disjointed and it feels forced. This didn't I other episodes I've had why is this character here? At this point, I'm like, Becky. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. I and just, that's a uh, good sign. I just don't like her face. <laughs> and okay. there was a couple dude, there was one scene, I gotta be honest. Where, oh, come on hold on let me i'm just being nitpicky let me nitpick once i don't nitpick often but like there was a scene where she gets emotional and i just did not fucking buy it like i was just like i you know what i did i i did i, did. I, didn't I buy felt it, her fear it wasn't yeah. she wasn't crying like a baby i felt her fear that this person is going threat. to kill her family i 
I t- I definitely bought it. I just didn't. I didn't buy. I it, felt her fear, and maybe it wasn't her selling it. Maybe it was the fact that Rob fucking Benedict is a, yeah, he's, is an amazing actor. Yeah, and that, that dude can switch from maybe, happy like I'm a nerd to sh- I mean he looked evil dude, for the first when, time. He looked he didn't look like a swarmy piece of shit. Hmm. He looked like a petty vengeful god. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that that Rob Benedict was just nailing the shit out of that scene. That he just overshadowed her because it just looked, it didn't look heartfelt. And he looked, like you said, he looked like a total villain in the whole, and I think maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. I, I mean, again, I understand why she was there. I, it, she was the great, it was great as far as the whole worshiping and the perfect character to bring back for that. I just, that one part, and again, like I said, I'm just nitpicking, um, but yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe Rob Benedict well, he, was just killing it, well, and before, I was just like, Meh. Before we get into Big Bad Chuck, I, I think it was important to have... It was great to have her be the decision for her to come back. As Mike said, mm-hmm. Becky's always represented the audience to some way, and Davey really found a great way to not only have her come back and give her character, who had been left with such a not only sad state, but dark state in yeah. Season 7, a nice, well-rounded satisfying conclusion to who she was she got thanos it was a great way before that it was a great way (laughs) to give her a redemption make her in a a likable character again which we needed they found a way they did the writers to talk to the fans and the fans to talk to the writers within the episode i don't know dude she didn't have to file for a you know, sex offender at all. No, I'm saying they did her dirty. I mean, the actor and the character, it's just like, all right, fuck her. You get to play this crazy rapist. All right. That's your last role for seven years. That's thanks. I'm sure she does. Don't forget to, uh, no, but don't forget to register as a sex offender. Yeah. Now it, it did feel like in a way, and Mike, you brought this up earlier that the writers are kind of talking to us through Chuck. Oh yeah. Not kind of definitely. Right. And I'll say, I, I felt, it something she said hit home because we hear talk about how they could write this other bit differently. And we've made mention before that Mike and I have talked about working on some other projects. And I know you have people know that about you. So when she's calling people out, if you have ever wanted to be a writer about the self-loathing and the self-doubt and you fucking procrastinate, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I don't need an intervention right now. And I started to get, <laughs> to get mad at her for the right reasons. Yeah. And I, that it made me feel something. And I think they did a great job making her not sad and creepy. Unfortunately, lack of better a term, that's what she was at the end of season seven. So having her come back was great. But she also called out Chuck, calling out the writers and dab at that point painting him as the villain and, and saying when they have the character who represents the showrunner say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I had to laugh. Wait a second. Did I write that? <laughs> I, I fucking laughed out loud. Oh, sorry. Did I? I was like, this is, you guys are brilliant. Now, now you're making me go back on all my words and eat crow, which is like I said, previous episodes, I'm happy to do. I want this kind of thing to continue. He loves eating crow. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this continues moving forward. Yes, Ryan chuckling to himself. (laughs) I don't know. It's not even that well connected. There's a C. I wonder if there's a guy that's that's out there named crow. I'm just curious. All right. Thanks for that (laughs) thought. That brain cells gone. Everyone. (laughs) You'll never get that back. Yeah, whatever. But I wonder if there's a guy out there with a name named crow. Thomas loves eating him. 
It's the worst joke I've ever heard. Why'd you laugh? <laughs> it's so bad. That's uh, my job on this show. More importantly, we got some insight as to what's going on with Chuck. The idea that he cannot see, quote, Sam and Dean. Is that representing his low confidence as a writer creator that he's fucked something up or is this more to the point he that has, he's losing his powers that, and they're more intrinsically tied now to Sam seeing things and yeah. Dean or a Dean Sam sees some things and Chuck no longer can see them. It, so he has Sam so and Dean's ED is something <laughs> he's lack of confidence. He has a right. Time. Is something happening <laughs> to them, to yeah, him? I, I, see, this is where his Winchester dysfunction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is where I'm, kind of iffy i'm not quite sure was that line meant to convey the thought to becky that he has writer's block and that's why he can't see his two lead characters any longer he has writer's block or was he being literal can he not or, see them like, anymore is writer's block not just a metaphor for actually not being yeah. able to see them at that point yeah he's not admitting he's god so it's not like he can say prophetically i physically can't see them anymore mm-hmm. well i mean it seems very much he's, like he's talking the tr- he's saying the truth he's telling the truth but she doesn't rule away she'd buy she would understand because so you think he meant it literally then. yeah I, I think so i think his vision the sh- gunshot connecting him to sam has messed something up he can't see sam and dean sam can see more than he should different drafts this might be a way that you can actually come back it's, 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 it's harry potter how do you come back is his hp at, well here's the thing though how I do you sleep combat? at night i was watching hallmark on halloween <laughs> so i was watching harry and, potter uh, i saw this kid with glasses where he was connected he to a bad guy he had a lightning bolt on his forehead how do you combat somebody with all let's give sam a omnipotent scar. power and omniscience if they know everything if they literally write the story, how do you fight that? So when do we get like a supernatural land in California? Because I ignoring my question and going on with some fucking theme park shit. Yeah, well, it's Harry Potter, dude. Like, Fuck Harry Potter right now. It, that's exactly what they did. Dad probably watched Harry Potter and was like, uh, Harry Potter is connected to Voldemort. To but the <laughs> More importantly, if Chuck is the writer, if Chuck writes the story and he knows everything, how do you fight that other than well, reading the ha- book you have to nerf chuck right you have to know what he's writing mm-hmm. if you know everything he's going to do there's no tricking you there's no falling into yeah, this that's, trap that's if you know what's coming i really hope that's what now it is. chuck for the first time would have to fight on an even playing field because they'll know what he comes up with if sam's visions are different versions of what he's thinking as an ending yeah the whole thing I mean, is getting it, very It can meta. also be changing the channel to another reality, meaning maybe, maybe he has that. the ability now to see the things that he has done to other Sam and Dean's, and maybe he'll use that to his advantage. See, I would like that Ooh. much more because we've... Because how many, he, how, Chuck well, has he, specifically said specifically in the season said, finale yes. that you are my favorites. And we, I, he's messed with more than one Sam and Dean, yeah. and these are the two that he always comes back to because they are his favorites. So if that is, see, I would much prefer that, that it's an alternate reality or alternate ending that he did that he on keeps another seeing Sam different versions of these, yes. of these failures of Sam and Dean. Yes, yeah. I would love that. That would be so amazing. That would be super cool. It Rather than Sam Winchester and the Scissor Stone. Yeah, exactly. It's Philosopher's Stone in Europe. Uh, in Europe? <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> Oh, you are a fucking nerd. It really is. Oh, my God. I do know that. Get out of my studio. I said fuck Harry Potter. Doesn't mean I didn't read the books. Wow, dude. Anyway. What a jerk. Regardless (laughs) of the theories, regardless of what we can come up with, 
we've got it. We've got Chuck for a first time is sitting here and actually sitting down to write the ending, the end. I liked his whole going off on the book with the tombstone and just his Winchester and stuff like that. It's definitively not going to end well for Sam and Dean. And in some ways, I think we're okay with that. As as evil as that sounds, we talked at length for years now that it kind of has to go down one of two ways, right off into the sunset or Butch Cassidy and the sun, uh, the Sundance kid. And it just ends, ends, in a, Louise. ends in a blaze of glory kind of thing. But Davey and Jensen did a much better job in this episode conveying a Chuck that really does feel more consistent with the character we know. We talked at length in the first two episodes that Chuck felt out of place. All of a sudden, he's a fucking villain. Where's all this coming from? Why did he just kill a masseuse? These things that made a lot of questions, and we were, especially me, saying it's low-hanging fruit to make him so evil so rapidly was jarring. Okay. But in this episode, we see Chuck go through the dorky writer, low-confidence, unassuming person to the wrathful, vengeful, spiteful God who hates having his question, his decisions questioned. And that, when he's staring at Becky, is the God I could see telling Lucifer, get the fuck out of heaven for not liking my idea of humans. Yeah. No, I And then agree. he goes down to, eh, I'm a, a dick with a vendetta. And I'm just going to erase your family. They're not dead, which I liked that touch. I think it, now, they're just gone. My... I agree with you 100%. My biggest problem with last season with the reveal that Chuck is bad was not that he was bad. It was the way that he did not Mm -hmm. feel like Chuck. Yeah. Just because you decide to make him bad, suddenly you're going to change his, his, into all his mannerisms and he's just going to be a different person. Not how it works. I mean, a better comparison would be season 11, Chuck, where he could debatably still be the bad guy who was willing to destroy his world until Metatron talked him out of it. And yet he never came off as vile. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, well, I fucked up. Got to get rid of another ruined story. Right. He was still Chuck, though. So make him petty. Make him not really care about humanity, but maintain who Chuck is as a person. And that's what they did in this episode. He felt like the Chuck we know, just a more sinister, dark and twisted version. But it felt like Chuck. Mm-hmm. Robert Benedict played it like Chuck. Yeah. And that's important. And that comes down to writing and directing. And it's it, that just shows you any idea can work, but it's all about how you execute that idea, how you bring it to life. Now, guys, remember that we are doing a bit of a contest. So if you want to win a Dean Winchester sixth scale figure by Quantum Mechanics, subscribe to our Patreon page and you will be entered. When you pledge to our video cast here, you are automatically entered into the drawing. Your name will be entered as many times as the months you are a subscriber starting. Was it this month or technically last month? I guess now I forget when I drink a lot. But if you're already a videocast tier subscriber, you've already been entered in the drawing and it will continue until April of 2020, where we will be giving that away. Ryan, despite his desire to have it, will not be cheating so and taking it home. My question is, is like if you win the doll, 
Is he like a Ken doll or like does he have a ding dong? Can oh. I take any of the clothes off of him? It's I'm a one sixth replica I, of asked, his dick. Yeah, I'm asking like for you the people have that the win. first go on him before I send him out. Yeah, I just want to undress him and see what he's got down there. If he's just like smooth of, is or, he a boxer guy or a brief guy? Yeah, maybe he's a commando. Maybe, maybe he's, he's a whitey tidy type of guy. It's match of chits is whitey tidy kind of guy. That would destroy his image. Oh, that'd be oh, terrible. Man, that's bad. That's bad. Like a, he Walter White's it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be freaking horrible. But again, if you want to win that before, before Ryan molests it, make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash rainman digital. Enter the, to subscribe to the video cast here and you'll have as many entries as your subscribers. I'll seal it up with a kiss for you guys before Mike sends it out. Good Lord. All right. Good Lord. <laughs> so we've got some thoughts from some listeners. We haven't done this for a little bit, but Diener said, I was so worried about after episodes one and two, and then the final act of episode three gave me hope. And episode four made me think we're back on track. I want to feel something I did in those scenes with Becky and Chuck and the Sam and Dean final car interior shot. Yeah. I, the final car shot I did like a lot. I also felt that that was kind of meta in some ways of the writers and the fans again at the same time. And I, I do kind of appreciate the effort that's been put into not exposition at us, but weave it into the storytelling yeah. mm-hmm. for something that has been such an intrinsic part of our lives and something that mm-hmm. the fandom is so deeply tied to. Yeah. Don't talk at us. Don't talk bring at us, us in. Exactly. And I felt like it's some of that speech was Jensen saying, you know, we all for better or worse can move on. We have to, it's human nature. Things end. They have their, things are born. Things have their time and then they end and we have to continue for the people who have come before and for the people that will come after. And then at the same time, we have Jared in a meta level saying, I don't know if I can move on. I'm still thinking about Jess. I still think about the people we've lost. Still How thinking many- about season 12 and season 13. How many people, though, do we know still watch, almost every, still rewatch all the seasons all the way back to one and do still think about those characters and the things that this show has made you feel? Obviously, I'm thinking of Alan and Joe. Obviously, you're thinking of them. Yeah, you are. So it works. But that was also a very well-directed scene. I loved how much emotion Jensen was able to pull out of not only his own performance, but Jared was fucking great. Between being evil in the beginning and somber, sad, and and almost nihilistic mm-hmm. throughout so much of it, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, HR said, listening to this after watching episode four and everything Becky said is so tied to what fans have been saying for about season fifteen. Hopefully, it will all mean something. But the uh, because the scenes with Becky and Chuck seemed really important. I do think that Becky and Chuck were very much the. The, the main story that was being told. Yes, we know that we're learning more about Sam's potential future and how Dean's reacting to that and what could come of that. But again, this was a smart way to get some conversation across to us as both a don't worry, we know what you want and we're working towards it, but also it's not going to be good in any way. I appreciate that personally. But hopefully it does mean something moving forward more than just a, another smarter sloth you know maybe we, maybe it takes a while smart. to get there but or i'm hoping it's smart sloth. that's what we need to do <laughs> what's a game show sounds put some game show sounds into that one yeah thanks guys 
You're welcome. So uh, we also had Kathy Tyler saying, I still think this episode, although the fir- uh, was the first one. F- not English? <laughs> no, speak- it was not. Are you speak English? I still think this episode, although the first one filmed, it was the first one written after the show ending announcement. I think the first two were already outlined before, and there was a lot of dicing and splicing to redirect the story to focus on the end. But interesting. I could buy that based on, you know, deductive reasoning. It would make sense. But also the writers have never written an episode for next season Mm -hmm. before the ending of the previous season. So not to usually writers write all during the summertime for the upcoming season. So I'm not sure. Maybe that, I don't know. Maybe she heard that from a con. I I don't know. So not to like change the subject, but I read something really cool about Benny in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It says Ty Olson's appearance as Benny at the start of the episode was not originally scripted and was suggested at the behest of Jensen. Oh, Um, per variety. It says in it, Ackles directed himself in hand-to-hand combat and stunts and was as well a couple of key emotional moments, including bringing back a character who's one of the more of my favorite characters of all time. Ackles says, it was even on the page. It wasn't even on the page. I said, "Can we make this character this person?" And they were like, "If you can get this person, I believe they're working right now." Uh, it says, "I made the call. He was literally working one day, had the next day off, so he flew in, did one scene, flew out, and was working on his other project the next day." So this was Jensen's idea to bring Benny in into that scene. I'm glad because he wanted the emotion, yeah, the, the emotional connection, yes. to the character. So that's very interesting. So what that leads me to believe that if Jensen had this idea, that was woven tightly or into the story going forward. And that means Jensen and Jared have a much more hand into where we're going forward. Does that make sense? I like well, they've said that they would. I know, so but that, that just does give me hope. Yes. That's very interesting. Sorry. I didn't mean to like change the subject, but I read very that good. and I thought that would be kind of cool to, I think one of our listeners also put that in the live group too. That's Sounds pretty familiar. cool. Yeah. Uh, Stacy. Uh, also says or says I enjoyed Becky so much more than I thought I would. I was happy with her accepting responsibility for what she had done in the past, got counseling and eventually moved on and made a life for herself. I do think that's something else that was well done and meta that she ran the greatest Etsy unofficial merchandising because how many times have we complained that there's not enough merchandising stuff like actual collectibles or cool things built from this show that has so much lore I mean, when we were at some of the cons that we went to, we almost bought the first blade and an angel blade and the cult just because they're the only things that we can find that aren't shirts or things that fans have themselves made. Yeah. I did like seeing that they did a good job with her to make her believable and also sympathetic in such a short period of time. I think that was a kudos to Davy Perez example. Uh, one thing before we get into some of the final thoughts, I do want to take a moment to talk about Jensen's directing and that opening sequence. Apparently, the opening sequence was deliberately modeled after John Wick fighting sequences. The choreography behind it was inspired by that, which when I first saw him do the the arm, like forearm punch on the demon's hand to then shoot into his foot and then spin him around, I loved all that. And we have talked before that in just episode, it was either one or two, Mike, you were the one saying that the ghost attacking Castiel was very lazy feeling. It was awful. Bloody Mary's like, I got your foot. Yeah. I got your foot. I got oh, you. So, I got you. That felt so 
jarringly different than what we got here. And Jensen was behind the stunt choreography. Of course he was. I'm curious. Whoever else is in charge on that. I'm, I'm curious too because clearly all these shows shoot in Canada, right? And in Vancouver. So that looks very, very familiar. I, if you guys don't know, I do DC on RMD. And uh, that looked very, very, very Arrow-esque. And what I mean by that is we've seen that type of hand-to-hand choreography in Arrow in the last couple seasons. Very up close, visceral, like kind of gun fooey, like what they call that. And I wonder if they brought, if Jensen brought over someone from Arrow to help with the choreography on that. Cause I swear to God, I've seen Diggle do that move at least seven times in the last well, portion it, of this it season. It said here, Jensen worked with stunt coordinator Rob Hader. Yeah, that's their regular stunt coordinator. Yeah. So it was just uh, Jensen bringing IMDb, his own, but it was just Jensen bringing in his mm-hmm. own flavor. Like, this is what we need I to do. I loved seeing but That's it. what directors are supposed to do. Hey, let's do this yeah. instead of that. Well, I loved seeing it because the another thing that it did that I'm a huge proponent for is pulling back the camera and well thought out, clear moves, not these jerky up close, wide swinging punch that obscures the view. So we don't know what happened, but the sound effect tells me someone got punched and then they get thrown and they fall through a bookcase. We saw the action. We see it's well thought out. He pushes the arm and the gun away. He pulls the trigger here. He uses his momentum and body weight against him. I loved watching that. And it reminded me of way back season 10, the fight with Cole in the parking lot, the punch up in a Denny's. You know, I, I liked that. I thought he did a great job. You think there. he took some pointers from Jared, you know, for this episode? Maybe. <laughs> How do you punch a guy? <laughs> <laughs> you like lean your whole hip into it? Do you throw your shoulder as well? How did you knock out three people in real life? Come here. Show me. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. I like how we just keep like bringing it back adding adding the body count like it was like one i think <laughs> the yeah he punched two one three, guy now it's, it's, kill five it's gonna people. be 36 years, people it's soon. gonna be like hey jared remember that one time you knocked out like 15 people with one punch <laughs> see like a, a tall, one punch it'd be like the ultimate tall tale. it just becomes street fighter <laughs> no i thought he did a great job with the directing i thought he did a great job getting strong performances out of everybody i mean even and the music choice we talked about in the very beginning, that scene with the vampire kid, which I thought was also, kudos to Davey, a well-written bit. It was different. It was not, hey, let's have a monster tie them up and monologue, which I love that Becky called that out, too. It was actually a very human idea behind a monster, which is something Davey did himself with season 13 in Breakdown. Yeah. That there's a lot more monsters out there than we know of. So with that, I'm going to move into final thoughts. Ryan, what do you give this episode? Uh, I'm going to give this episode an 87. Um, This was, I dropped it a few points and I nitpicked earlier on one thing. Um, And again, this is just me nitpicking. uh, So I'm not even going to spend that much time. It was, Becky was one of them. And the other one was just, I felt like for me, when the, the climax of the episode where the, Uh where the, stupid um where the sam and dean are confronting the mom and dad and the son and i just to me it felt like the mom and dad were just like they didn't seem emotional enough for the situation that's going on with their son being a vampire but again super nitpicky that's just me as far as the overall episode we always talk about you know if you're going to bring characters back they need to make make sense and becky coming back absolutely made sense and i loved how 
and it made me like this scene much more when we started talking about how we Chuck needs to be loved to have power. And I also, which I'm, I'm hoping that that is the case going forward, which is awesome. And I think if they make the, the, um, connection with Sam and Dean being his biggest, you know, supporters. And Mm -hmm. then the fact that they turn their back on him, this episode could be even go up in a grade for me. Um, but as far as the episode in general, I felt like they took the monster of the week air quotes formula and added it and added all types of subtext and just story and main main myth arc going forward. And I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, they had that three part opening one, episode one, two and three. And it was like, OK, we ended that so fast. Where are we going? And I think this episode, especially with the opening scene, that might be some of the best supernatural we've seen in a while. Um, that opening scene. So for them to open up with that and really give us an idea of where we're going forward, uh, that makes this episode, honestly, is this the season premiere? I feel like that's where we are at with this. Like this, you you gave us what we wanted and you gave us going forward. Like this gave me hope. And I think I did, I did enjoy the Chuck basically being dad, making fun of himself and I think it was very smart of him to do that. And I did enjoy that in this episode. So this is an 80, a solid 87 for me. I, again, th- that could go up depending on if some of these things that we speculated on come to fruition, it could make this episode go up a few points. So, um, I really did enjoy this episode. I think going forward, it gives me hope. Right. And Good. so Mike, what about you? Final thoughts. All right, cool. Hmm. I felt like this is probably Davy's best work and he has written a lot of really great episodes since he has came on to the supernatural writing room, came on the scene, but uh, this might be his best because he was tackling a lot of different things. He, he took on the role of the, of the head writer being, you know, of course, Chuck handling a meta episode. It's not easy breaking mm-hmm. the fourth wall. It is easy breaking the fourth wall. A lot of shows do it, and it's usually awful. Uh, He was able to break the fourth wall in a way that made a lot of sense. Bringing Becky in as that guest spot made a lot of sense, and it made that scene work. Uh, Being a character that represents the fans, and most people know that. Uh, Then, of course, Chuck representing the, the writer. I mean that's one of the best ways to kind of explain things to help with the myth arc, the strengthen, the suspense, give us all a sense of dread. It did its job. And outside of that, the monster of the week aspect, the fact that they just used it as a simple template to help transport this idea. This wasn't a monster of the week episode, Uh, even the monster of the week episode, which we kind of breezed over. I mean, it was all a very, it was very it was all very metaphorical it was there to explain what could happen to sam and dean he had two parents protecting someone who did something bad and now they have to put him down was that not the end of season 14 yeah uh so here we are again also with that foreshadowing that teaser that we had with with sam i mean is dean gonna have to put sam down again is this where we're heading is this a direction or at least is this what they want us to think so everything was pretty good. Not pretty good. I think all of this was excellent. It was really, really good. I'm going to get this episode a 91. Hmm. All right. A 91. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
repeating a lot of what I had said previously, and and you guys, I think the episode was such a nice, refreshing feeling compared to the first three. Um, it, while it was some cool ideas, the execution and and some of the writing in the first couple of episodes left a lot to be desired. Uh, Barons was able to bring a lot of things home with the third episode, but there were still some clingers and I didn't know where we were going and I didn't have a lot of hope and excitement at that point. I'll be honest with the opening sequence here. I was like, this is a strong game changer. This felt like, as Ryan, you said, this felt like the premiere. Yeah. The other three feels like the ending. They didn't finish with season 14 being three episodes short, which was three episodes, which you guys both called that out. This feels like the start of the end. This feels like that dread, that that weight that we should be carrying for all of the final season. The omni- the you know foreshadowing of possibly Jody's death and Bobby's death, and clearly many others. What is possible with Sam? How many people are going to get hurt this season as they try and either stop Chuck or ultimately have to stop Sam? And the idea of making Sam the villain, I think, is painful and great at the same time this episode was well written it was beautifully directed beautifully choreographed the music felt right the jokes and the timing felt right everything about it felt right and i give all the praise in the world to the crew behind this one i loved it so for me this one's a 93 i really enjoyed this episode Oh, 93 holy thomas yeah and the meta aspects of saying i don't know what i'm doing just Tickle me pink, I gotta say. All right. Wow, tickle so, him right in his pink. Right in the pink. And I like that. So there you go. Take that image home Oof. with you. No, thank as you. we wrap up this episode. Yikes. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for being fans. Remember to share this show with everybody who's a supernatural fan. Make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital Pledge. Not only does it help us keep the lights on through the next year, but you can also get that sweet ass Dean action figure mm. unmolested. And we need help. We do need help. We need please, a lot of help. Please head over to Patreon. We really do need the help. There's this misconception that we're ballers. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of people. What? On, yes. Not like we're, we're rolling in the dough, but I think because we have such high production value and we do so much on this network. I'm a baller. I, I was eat food. I was guys. literally so stupid. I was literally talking to someone on <laughs> All Twitter. Money goes into this. Bobby and I, uh, who's another host. If people don't know who Bobby is on this network and I bounce a lot of ideas off of him. We were like, well, what do we think this problem is? Why are people not pledging to Patreon? But now they are since we have had a like kind of a, a very open discussion about what we're, what our future may be. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly we've jumped 20 uh, subscribers uh, and I think people thought that we were this big radio network that doesn't need any help. Ooh. We're completely independent and we make some money, but all that goes into the cost right of running the network. Thing. We don't make money. Yeah, we, Guys, right we do this for fun. We, we, we don't float on cost barely. Yeah. Like Thomas well, isn't physically making any money right dime. now. Not a dime. Nope. Yeah. So don't think that. I am because I the better looking of the three of us. You, so my face so is I pay worth. based on appearances. Yes. This really is a me too environment. This isn't is. It? This is. <laughs> you Can want I that job? The HR? Open your mouth. Please continue to support this network and it's misogynistic, it's, it's, sexist it's, ways. Thank that's you. exactly why we have a black couch in here. Uh, it's our casting. Couch. Oh God. I sit there every week. Don't I? Yeah. You cast every Fuck. week. All right. Let's wrap it up. Thomas is our big booby 
All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. He does like let's, to be tickled in a pee. Let's end this now. We'll see you all next week. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.